We are so grateful to God for today. Again, last week, Pastor was telling us it's harvest time. I am so ready for that harvest. Are you ready? This morning, we are going to talk about, still on increase, we're going to talk about the great shepherd, how he leads us to our increase. The great shepherd leads you to your increase, the shepherd, the shepherd. You know, many times there are many things we're thinking about, things we want to do, things we know are possible. If you're someone like me who subscribes to Fortune magazine or Forbes, I'm always looking at the Forbes 400 richest people. Then I break it down. I look at the 400 richest women. Then I look at Americans. <laughs> I just enjoy doing things like that. Because one of these days my name will be listed there. So it's, like, it's good to know who will be. You know, we're keeping company with. <laughs> hey, you're laughing. When I get there, I'll let you know. I'll tell you I told you so. <laughs> because God can do anything you believe him for. I'm not going to spend it on myself. It's going to be for missions and everything God wants to do. So I'm good with that. But when you see these things, though, there was one particular one I was reading about. How did he start? I mean, they're just so very odd thing. Somebody came up with what we call WeWork. You heard about WeWork? The, the CEO just resigned about maybe two weeks ago. WeWork is, um, anybody knows about WeWork? Okay, guys, for us to be wealthy, we have to know. You got you to gotta spread and move and get knowledge. You don't have to do it the way they do it, but you need to know what's going on out there. Amen. So WeWork is this organization that um, they have, the, they had, well, they still are. Um, they ran into a bit of trouble in the last few months and just things, they weren't turning a profit. But the CEO resigned a billionaire, very young guy, very, very young. His wife must be maybe 37 and he must be 40 or something like that. Uh, what did they come up with, this concept of They'll, they'll put um, apartments in downtown. Uh, you, can, you can live upstairs. You know, everybody's living there, and there are places where you can walk in the same building. And, you know, just there's nothing really fantastic about this concept except that they made everybody believe that it was the next best thing. And people invested in it billions of dollars. Nothing novel about this concept. Then you go back, go, so just for your own edification, I'd like you to read. Read about the, go to Forbes, maybe one day I'll print out something, just put it at the back so you can read. The richest 400 people, some of them are making creams, you know, body creams. Some of them are making, you know, what we call pancake for the face, makeup. Some, I mean, come on, people. They are not talking about going, after they made their money, then they want to go to the moon. But usually, Amazon, what did Amazon do really? Help me. Books and just selling things. The guy started in his garage packaging things, books, and selling it. Nothing novel. There was this thing we're talking about. He didn't start anything like, um, you know, something really great. It's just simple, simple things, very simple. And the question is, this increase we're all talking about, how do you get there? It's very important that 
when you hear about it, it's not just fantasy. It's not that you feel like it's just for a reserved few, just a few people will ever know. Nobody came into this world with billionaire written on their name. They came naked like we all did. No clothes, nothing. I've been in many a delivery room. They come wearing nothing. And they don't come saying, this is the next billionaire. Even those who their parents are billionaires, many of, many of the billionaires are not giving their kids the billions. They're giving it to, one wants to give it to a cat's foundation. I mean, so the question is, if they're this wealthy, how come you don't know where your wealthy place is? And so the title of today's message is, The Great Shepherd Would Lead You to Your Increase. He will lead you to your increase. Let's go to Psalm 23, verse 1. Everybody knows Psalm 23. We're going to read the whole chapter through. And I'm going to try and be quick today, but there's, there's something the Lord put in my heart and I wanted to share. A psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. What does it mean to want? It means to lack. It means to not have enough. That Hebrew word, it means to diminish, to decrease. A child of God, you should not have a job and money is coming in. It may not be a lot, but it's regular. It's con con um, stable and consistent. And then all of a sudden, something happens and you're almost being kicked out of your home. That's not how the great shepherd leads. The great shepherd is your shepherd. I shall not diminish. I shall not decrease. I shall not lack. So if there is something contrary to that and you are diminishing constantly, getting up and then coming down, getting up and coming down, there's something not right. And it's not your job. It's your, your, your job is not the guarantee of your increase and sustenance. Did it say your job is your shepherd, you will not lack? No, it says the Lord is. So he's the one that guides you through the minefields of life. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. But it means, though, that the enemy also is in this world. And as a child of God, if you love him, if you serve him, the plan of the enemy is to distract you. You know how painful and distracting poverty is? Do you know how distracting poverty is? I know it because I've been there. When you cannot think about anything else except how to make sure that there is lunch today. After you leave church, I remember we would come to church, Pastor and I, and our kids would come to church, and we will finish, and we'll not have a clue where our next meal will come from. I remember one particular day, we left church. I don't know if we were in this building yet. We left church. We had no money. We'd given the little, the very, very little we had into the offering, and then we were going home, and we didn't know what we were going to eat. So we said, by chance, maybe if we go to the ATM, when we went to the ATM, I remember that ATM very well, because that ATM is on, okay, I won't tell you, but I know where it is in University Heights. I, I know exactly where it is, because that picture will never leave my mind. We went there, put in our card, and we were so overdrawn, <laughs> we couldn't get anything out. And we were going home with two kids, and we had no food. 
and we didn't know what we were going to eat. I can't even remember. I know the Lord, somehow maybe I went into the refrigerator, brought out everything and warmed it all up or whatever. So I do know you can be so poor that you can't focus. You can be so poor that you can't concentrate. And but the, one of the things as the Lord started to f- himself forcibly draw us out of poverty was he would bring us out, but I, in my own little mind, would be so scared. You know when you've not had for a long time, and then suddenly it looks like you have a little, you just, um, you're afraid that maybe two weeks from now, that little will be taken away. You can't quite believe that you have that money coming in. You can't believe it. It's not that you don't feel that God is good. You're actually preaching that God is good. But, you know, you've been without for so long that when increase comes, you are almost afraid to enjoy it because you're, you, you, you don't know. You just don't know. You're not sure. If, I've, if I went through so many weeks not knowing where the meal will come from, Sometimes people will be gracious, they'll see us after church. Oh, pastor, pastor, they give you a $50 bill. Uh, sorry, $50. And you're happy because there's something to eat that week. I know the particular store I, I shopped at. And not just that I shopped at that store, I had a list. And I would go with $20 for four of us. And I, it's in this America, so I know it. I'm telling you the stories now. I can tell you now because it's not like that anymore. So... <laughs> It's very easy to say when the Lord has brought you through. So I'll go $20, get to that particular store, and put everything I know we need in our cart. And I'll go to the, to the where, where you want to check out, what do you call it, the register. And I'll tell the person, I'll tell them, when it gets to $19.50, let me know. So I arrange my cart in such a way that the most important things are in front and the ones I can do without are at the back. So when he, and I've been calculating as I'm putting them in my cart, but just in case, I tell them when it's get to $19.50. <laughs> so when, and they're very good and very gracious and they will tell me it's $19.50. Do you want to keep going? I said, hold on and look. Look for the one that is 30 cents. Push it forward and say, I don't want any of this. And I'll go home. But we will eat. We will be full. And God always saw to it. But you know what? After you've been like that for a long time, it comes to a point where God brings increase and you're afraid to enjoy it because you're not used to it. And it's like, I don't want to just get, you know, so comfortable with this that, It's taken away. But the Bible says that the Lord himself, he is your shepherd. You will not diminish. So if it is the Lord that brings the increase and inches you forward, and sometimes he does it slowly but gradually because he tests, he gives you several tests along the way to make sure that that thing will be used for what he will want it to be. So that you have wealth, and wealth means nothing to you. Because you've been poor and you've been rich, and you're still alive. It doesn't matter. So if the Lord gives you that money, he's saying that when I give it to you, if I give it to you, you will not diminish. That's what he's telling you. 
If you get it for yourself and cook it up for yourself, there are no guarantees. Do you understand the whole story? Okay, I'm sure you got it with all that colorful picture of getting to that store. And, mm -hmm. So, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, this wealth, I was telling you, I'm rich, I'm fabulously wealthy. There's a scripture that says that the prosperity of the fool will destroy him. So for a long time in the body of Christ, it was thought that for you to talk about wealth and talk about money, you, are gonna, um, you, are, you may go to hell. Why are you going to hell? Because you know, it's going to derail you from your salvation and all this money, money, money. People who are wealthy, they go to the bar, they go to the clubs, and before you know what, you, no, not if the Lord gave it to you. If the Lord gave it to you, he himself stabilizes you. By the time you are wealthy, fabulously wealthy, and the Lord did it, you, you will not be going to hell. <laughs> he has checked and checked, because he doesn't want to destroy you. He has checked and checked and checked whether you can handle that. When you were driving a car, you had, first you didn't have a car. Then you had a car, it was smoking at the back, and every two miles you go, you have, and you're just hoping, Lord, please let me just get to this service. He checked. You came. You danced. You were joyful. You served. You gave him praise. You thanked him over that car. The Lord said, mm, I think she can handle more. He changes that out and he gives you something slightly better. Not fancy, but really the sort that you know that when you turn it on, most likely it will turn on. And then he goes for a little bit. And then he changes it. Then one day he gives you a Mercedes-Benz. You see, you've been through so many that that doesn't bother you. It's like, thank you, Lord. I just need a car to get into, get to church, get to work. It doesn't turn your head in any way because he led you. And he will lead you in those paths of righteousness for his namesake. So it will not destroy you. It will keep you. The righteous are supposed to be wealthy. The Bible says wealth and riches are in his house. It's not, it's, it's not sinful to talk about money in church. That's where it should be because God created it. So when he leads you in the paths of righteousness... It is for his namesake. And by the time he puts that money in your hands, nobody will beg you to, to pay tithe. You know that it is the tithe and the offering and your generosity towards God and his people that even brought you to that place. No one is going to beg you. You are just so used to giving. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You prepare a table. What is a table? It's, it's everything you want. Peace, health. Do you know how many people have billions and they are so, their, their bodies are ridden with sickness and disease. So much so that the money means nothing to them. They have money, but they can't buy health. 
No, the table, the Lord, one, he leads you to the wealth. And then he sets, even when people feel you are not deserving, he puts it there anyways. You know, when they look at you, you are not deserving. You have the wrong gender, wrong skin color, wrong accent. Everything is wrong about you. You should not be in this room. But the Lord puts it there and says it's yours anyways. He doesn't care what they think. Right in the presence of the people who feel you are not worthy. He says, eat. And they are fuming and they're angry. But it doesn't make any difference because it says, that's yours, girl. Eat. The Lord, your shepherd, he guaranteed it. And then he says, I'll keep it. You will not diminish. I will give it to you. People, will, Some will be mad. Some will rejoice. But there's nothing they can do about it. He gave it to you. And then in verse 6, it says, Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. I've said it here in this church. That word does not adequately describe it. If you read other translations, it says, Surely, surely, goodness and mercy or favor will pursue me and overtake me. You know how sometimes you are wishing you had some favor. You are wishing that somehow, you know, people look at you with favor. You want customers that will come to you. They have five, five of you are lined up on the same street doing the same thing. But favor is what directs them. You all have the same skill set. Favor is what directs them from the other four into your own store. And the Bible says, God says, if I am your shepherd, you will not have to beg for favor. It's supposed to pursue you. You should be walking, minding your own business. And somebody is talking at you and saying, please, do you want this contract? So I told myself, if I put a contract out there, if I put it out there and people are not, you know, I see a contract I want a business from somewhere, and they're not responding to me. No, I'm not going to lick your boots, no. Favor is supposed to come find me. So what I need to do is I put it there, I submit my application, I put it there, then I take it. Of course, God and I talked about it before I even got to that point. But if I see that it's spinning and spinning, I say, Father God, I'm not supposed to be running after this. This is supposed to be pursuing me. I've done due diligence. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Now, favor, follow me. Favor, because it's supposed to run after you. If the Lord is your shepherd, if you are not the one cooking it up, if the Lord, the good thing about the shepherd, he says, yea, in verse 4, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like I said, there are minefields. Hmm. When I say you will not diminish, this is a real life story for myself. And for other people, I'm sure can testify to this. You're not diminishing. It's not because your company or the hospital or wherever you're working is strong and their financials are strong. It's not. They can fire you even though their financials are strong. You know that. And you can't complain if they fire you. They fire you, they fire you, and that's it. What you need, though, is the shepherd to give you one, um, give you inside information. You know, just before they start firing people, he has given, he's taking you to your next place. I've experienced this so many times, I can't even begin to tell you. They are just about to fire everybody. 
just in the nick of time, the Lord moves you. Because I found out that I do not work for any company. I work for the most high God. That's why I can't be shoddy. I can't be shoddy at my job. Because God is the person marking my script. Even when I can do it and get away with it, and you know, you get to a certain level, nobody's really monitoring what you do. You clock in any time. You have people reporting to you. You don't care, you know. You can do whatever you like. But I can't. I cannot because the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my master and the Lord is my boss. And if I want promotion, I need to pass that level so that he himself can promote me. So we're talking of a system now that has nothing to do with the world. So you, in your own way, you can't diminish me and really you can't promote me. The Bible says promotion comes from where? From the Lord. It doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't come from the south. It comes from the Lord. He raises one up and puts one down. The Lord is your boss, your employer. He is your shepherd. So when you think about things like that, economic recession means nothing. In the midst of economic recession was when I got my first best job in my life. I wasn't qualified for it. I didn't even know what they were talking about, but the Lord gave it to me. And when he moved me from there, he moved me to a higher place. That's how he does it. Because I report to him. That's why, oh, somebody would say, oh, you are a volunteer in church. I say, I'm not a volunteer in church. I'm paid. I'm fully paid by God. I'm not a volunteer. No. I'm not a volunteer. That's, I will never let anybody use that word. Where I don't draw a salary from the church does not mean anything. I'm, not, I'm paid. God already paid yeah, he may not pay through somebody writing a check from the coffers of the church. But do you know how much he pays me? Then you tell me to go wash the bathroom in the toilet and I'll be saying, God, I'm too big. Excuse you? When every two weeks he pays you, uh-uh, the Lord is my boss. He's my boss. He's my shepherd. He leads me. He leads me. He takes me round the minefields and he takes me round the different things that the enemy has planted that I can't see because I'm only human. Do you know how limited a human is? So many things happening in the spiritual. You wake up, you get up, you get into your car, you are going. You don't know all the things that have been planned against you for that day. But you really don't need to care though because the Lord is your shepherd. So, in the presence of your enemies raging and trying to do stuff, he prepares the table. Say, eat. What do you want to eat? Chicken cuddle blow? No. Lord, I really don't feel like that today. I just want a pineapple. Pineapple. Okay. There are about six there. I don't really want to. You know how kids misbehave? You give them all this food. And the one you went out of your way and made and put on the table. I don't want it. It's like, seriously, <laughs> you don't want it. You eat that food. The Lord never says, oh, you don't want that? Hey, how about this? Full table. He doesn't care what the people think. He has you covered. So my thing, though, is how does the Lord himself, how does he shepherd you? How does he take you from place to place? How do you hear the voice of the shepherd? How? John chapter 10 verse 3. 
Let's read this together. Or maybe we'll start from 1. John chapter 10 verse 1. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, that same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd. Remember we're saying the great shepherd will lead you to your increase. He who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the potter opens and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Verse 4 is where I'm going. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they do what? They do what? Most Christians don't know the voice of the Lord. That's where we get into trouble. That's why we diminish and go up, increase, and then go down, increase. Because we don't know. He's telling you, no, there's danger there. Move, 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 move to the right. He's saying, but you can't hear it. He's saying it. In fact, he's screaming it, but you can't decipher his voice. And that's the only way you can, you know, kind of get around those Things and bombs and mines that the enemy has put. But you know what? You can't hear him. He says, for they know his voice, verse 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from that stranger. For they know not the voice of strangers. Do you know that most Christians follow the voices of strangers? I am telling you, it's amazing. As a pastor... I see this all the time. It breaks my heart. It really does because I know where they're going. I know I'm still out, you know. As pastors, we're coming to clean up this mess. There's no other way. You can see it very clearly. Because what you are saying, they can't hear. They're very sure. Other people are speaking to them. Other things are happening. And they listen to the voice of strangers. But the voice of the shepherd, they can't decipher. So the question is, how do you know the voice of the shepherd? When God is speaking to you, I'm not talking of just the general word of God, but that rema that is, you know, I said this morning, rema, you speak. How, how does God speak to you personally and say, Bill, do this? And say to you, Stephanie, do this? And say to you, Joy, do this? How does he say that? How does he say to you? That's what people don't know. And that's how they get into trouble. Because you're not supposed to increase and diminish. Increase, you know, if you are a graph person, I, I'm very visual in my learning. So I like to see graphs. You go up, you come down. You go up, you come down. That's the life of most Christians, not just financially. I'm talking in their homes. Today you celebrate their wedding. They're very excited. Two years into it, you're trying to pull them apart before they kill each other. They're both Christians, by the way. So my question is, how do we move from that up, down, up? And he leads us. He leads us to our wealthy place, to our increase. What is his voice? So first you have to understand the role of the shepherd. The role of the shepherd. Who is your shepherd? And what is the role of the shepherd? What does the voice of the shepherd sound like? Jeremiah 3, verse 15 and 16. Let's read that. Jeremiah 3, 15 and 16. See, many times we think God and his word is very abstract. No, it is not. 
Christianity is very, very down to earth. It's not just going to church. I know there's part of going to church there, but it's not just going to church. It's having your own personal relationship with God. It's very different from what many people call it. I meet people at work. I'm talking to them. I'm in interacting with them, asking them about their weekend. They told me they went to church. Some went to mass. Some would say, what did you get out of it? You can see the blankness in their face. You know, when somebody's face, I don't care how smart they are up here. They're just blank. Their lives have no meaning, no purpose, nothing. They're just there. Because to them, it's a religion. It's a set of do's and don'ts. No, the shepherd is a personal shepherd who himself talks to you and takes you places and takes you and removes you from hurtful places and puts you in good places and just loves on you and takes care of you, takes care of your children if you've got kids, takes care of your marriage when it's in trouble. He, he's, he's very intimate with you. He, he really wants to know. I can't imagine how many things I've asked God for. And if you heard me, you think this is something wrong with it. You think God is interested in helping you find your keys. Yes, he is. Because I can't get inside the house. <laughs> Does he help me find my keys? And my husband told me to put it on that nail by the door. But I never put it on the and now it's time to go out and I can't find my keys and there's no remote control to find my keys and I can't find my keys but I got my father, my heavenly father and I got the Holy Spirit and I said, Holy Spirit, I'm in trouble I'm in so much trouble help me I know some people are pinching their spouses now it's not only in my house, it happens in your own house too I was supposed to put the key there, but I didn't remember. I, oh, I won't say that about myself, but I'll just say, in the most recent past, like yesterday, I have not put the key there. Because <laughs> I put it in my purse all the time. But then sometimes I don't put it in my purse, and I don't put it on the hook, and then I can't find it. And I don't want to ask my husband where the keys. Because the first question he's going to ask me is, uh, did, you, did you put <laughs> And I was like, I knew that was what. And then I get real mad and cross. It's like, why is that the question? Can't you help me? I can't find my keys. The f thing I need you to help me do right now, not, I will tell him, it's not a teachable moment. I actually just need you to help me find my keys because I got to, and I get all of this, calm down. And when he says, calm down, I get even. <laughs> so to make sure none of that happens, <laughs> I just say, Holy Spirit, I messed up again. I can't find my keys. Can you please help me find my keys? I ask him this all the time. I think one of the most common prayers I ask him, where are my keys? That should teach me something, really. I should have a system. <laughs> but truly, I did ask him about two days ago. I still haven't found that key. I think he just wants to teach me a lesson because I <laughs> found I had to go cut new keys. I'm saying to you, though, he is that personal. He is that God who is not just sitting in heaven like a pie in the sky. He is your shepherd, and he leads you, and he guides you. Do you have that relationship with him? 
I was taught about this relationship since I was, I gave my life to Christ age nine. And I was taught to think about God like that since then. I kind of messed around for a while, but eventually came back. By the age I was 17, I was serving him fully. So you're not too young and you're not too old. He is your God. And so if you want to know his voice, he's not one spooky guy in heaven. He says, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Another translation says, I will give you shepherds. That word pastor, the, the real translation is shepherd. God looks at his people as sheep. And he knows you many times we can't figure out what he's saying. So he knows many times we want to hear a human voice. He understands us. You, see, you don't need to tell God about who you are, your makeup, you know, I mean your physical and your mental, emotional makeup. He knows he made you. And he knows exactly how you hear best. He knows that if an angel comes every time to come and sit by you and say, Brian, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, get up, use a red umbrella today. Because there are many people using black. Just use red. If you hear that five times a week, you will not, you will just hit, you will just hope no, because the angels are very big. Ten feet tall. You don't want to see them all the time. So he knows you prefer a regular human voice. So when he does it, he says, I am the great shepherd, but I will give you shepherds that you can hear and listen to, speak to, converse with. He says, they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And in verse 16, he says, and it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased. If you follow the voice and the knowledge and the understanding that this earthly shepherds, and I'm talking of true shepherds, not every shepherd, it's a true one. But the one the Lord led you to, every church is a sheepfold. See, that's what I said, this morning's message is not preachy. Every church is a sheepfold. And every Christian is God's sheep. And every sheep has to be in a sheepfold. You cannot be a Christian and the Lord is your shepherd leading you by watching TBN. Uh-uh. You can learn from TBN through God's generals and his teachers that he puts there. But you can never do well as a Christian not being situated, firmly planted in a sheepfold. It's not going to happen. This is truth like I know it. You have to be in a sheepfold. If you go to John chapter 21 verse 15. See how Jesus, that was Jeremiah. So that was Old Testament. You may say, oh, God has moved to the New Testament. He doesn't think that way anymore. Well, when Jesus was leaving, in fact, he had gone to heaven, come back, and he came to meet his disciples the final time before he went to heaven and everybody saw him going into the clouds. This is what he asked Peter. He said, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, 
Lovest thou me more than this? Do you love me more than all these things? He said unto him, yes, Lord. You know I love you. See, that's what we all say. Jesus, I love you. We raise our hands. God said, Jesus said to him, okay, if you love me, what did he tell him to do? Feed my lambs. Who are these lambs? They are the Christians that are about to be. Because at that time, they didn't have a long, Jesus was going to heaven, and then eventually you had all these people getting born again and so on. Those were his lambs. He said, feed my lamb. God doesn't see you as just someone walking in this big, wide world. No, he calls you his own, my lamb, my own. He says, I am your shepherd, and I am putting a human shepherd over you. And you are to remain in a sheepfold. Not to be going from sheepfold to sheepfold. Because not every shepherd out there, they are God's servants, but they are not your shepherd. I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to say it. Because people are hurt by this. I can go visit other churches. I can go and enjoy. They are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that's important. Fellowshipping. This church is not the only church the Holy Spirit is in. However, I have one sheepfold. And when the great shepherd wants to speak to you, he gives a word, a rhema word to the shepherd he placed over you, not to the one over there. Mm -mm. This is how he operates. Many sheepfolds, one great shepherd, many under shepherds. And he says, feed them with knowledge. Tell them what to do. Not that they will tell you day to day. But just as you're sitting here now, you may get up and go and suddenly what you needed to do tomorrow suddenly becomes very clear in your mind. You don't know why, how, but it's just clear. Why? Because you were under the anointing and the covering of that sheepfold and that shepherd. So they are supposed to give you knowledge and understanding. That's lambs. Are lambs the small ones, the younger ones? Lambs are the younger. The sheep are the big ones, older ones. Huh? Am I right? Okay, so one says, feed my lambs. If you go to, um, there's another verse that says, feed my sheep. I guess if you go further down, can you scroll down? I think there's one. Okay, is that verse, six, verse 16? He asked Peter this how many times? Three times. The third time, Peter was so mad at him. He's like, Lord, why are you asking me if I love you? Isn't it obvious I've told you twice? I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Jesus was trying to make a point. Because he knew distractions were going to come. Things were going to come. And, you know, there's one thing about sheep. Sheep do not always do what they're told. I'm a living witness to that one. And they can frustrate the life out of you, the shepherd. Oh, sheep, oh, sheep. I am telling you, it's like, seriously, it's like your child. Didn't I tell you not to go there? Don't touch the candle with the fire. But it looks so wonderful. Mom, it's just shiny, has this like yellow and red, and it's flickering. Don't touch the candle. Okay, I won't touch it. And you walk to the kitchen, you come back, and he's screaming, screaming. What happened? Well, what, what happened? Did I not tell you not to touch the candle? 
That's exactly how it happens in God's house. All the time. I'm a living witness. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're not the boss of me because I come to your church. You think you, that gives you. You are not the boss of us. Don't do this thing. Don't do it. God is not in it. Well, we'll find out. If God speaks only to you, God speaks to me too. I'm a Christian. I know you're a Christian, but I'm your shepherd. And the Lord says, don't do it. It's not scriptural. I know everybody around is doing it. They want to hear the voice of the stranger, not the voice of the shepherd. God is not in it. Yes, it's right. It's not the right time. Don't do it. Well, I'm my own man. I'm my own person. Okay. And then they get into a boatload of trouble. And then you're running after them to help them. It's like, and you're telling God, God, no, let them just stew with that for like 10 days. Because I said, don't do it. But God said, uh-uh, that's not your assignment. Your assignment is go rescue my sheep. And it's like, Lord, if, it, if I were God. God said, that's why you're not God. Because sometimes it's like, I wish I was God. I wish I was God. And God says, no, that's why you're not God. That's why you're just, you're just one of my many under shepherds. Go rescue them. And so I say this to say, the role of the shepherd is very important. The role of the sheep is important. The sheep is to desire the word. Desire it. Don't skip church. I tell you one place that you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is going to show up and talk to you. It's in church. He can talk to you in your prayer time at home, but he will certainly talk to you in church. And he will give that shepherd a What I'm saying to you today, the Lord gave it to me to say to you. For whatever reason, he knows you need to hear it. Now, you may go to the church down the street, our brothers and sisters down the street. They may not say anything about this, but today is the message and the meal God prepared for his sheepfold. And he said, eat it, you will not choke. Eat it. It's not ice cream. It's not candy. It's just plain food. Eat it. The role of the sheep is to follow. And the Bible says you know the voice of the shepherd. You've tested that shepherd over and over and over and over. They've not failed you. They've not stolen your money. They've not stolen anything from you. Why do you think you hear them on the things that you feel like hearing them and the ones you don't feel like hearing them, you say, mm, maybe not. He's not that smart. He was smart when you wanted it. Now he's not smart. No, come on. Follow the voice of the shepherd. And God himself will lead us. Can you put up those two pictures, please? I practice as a pediatrician in Nigeria. Next slide. And this, I know it looks odd. Can you see that? Can you see the picture? This was the, I saw a lot of this kind of kids, malnourished kids, in that particular part of the country where, where I was practicing. When you see the kid on the left, they look chubby. They look fat but they're extremely malnourished. They're called, we call that condition kwashioko. On the left, you can easily see that they're malnourished. Go to the next slide. So this is how many of my patients would look in the cots we put them in. Very skinny bag of bones. Oh, there was nothing really wrong with them except that they had no food to eat. And their fathers would be married to like maybe four or five wives. 
And in that particular religion, in that part of the country, the mother had the responsibility of fending for her children. And they didn't work. So it little tidbits that people give them. So the kids will come in extremely malnourished. This is what we call marasmus. They come in like a bag of bones. They can't cry. They can, you can hardly hear their voice and would have to start to feed them, sometimes through tubes, slowly. You can't even give them a lot of food. They have no appetite. They're almost dead. That's one. The next one. See how chubby that child looks? I had a lot of kids like that. Kwashioko. That's fluid. That's not fat. They have fluids everywhere. No protein. And the, we, we call it protein calorie malnutrition, both sides. But these were different spectrums of them. One was on this spectrum and the other. But they were all malnourished. And many, many thousands died. And why did I bring this up? I want to speak very quickly for one minute to the Christian, and you can take that off because I know it's not pleasant, but I needed to give you something graphic. Many kids are like that. Many Christians will not come to church where the meal has been prepared by the shepherd. And you can only grow spiritually when you are fed. There's no other way to it. You can't grow by osmosis. Your husband comes to church, comes to church, and because you sleep on the same bed with him, somehow his spirituality will, will by osmosis, go into your body. Uh-uh. It doesn't work like that. You don't come. You don't eat. So many Christians spiritually are that malnourished. They're extremely malnourished. So after they're almost at the point of death, they're, they're in your sheepfold. You know them by name. Remember the Bible says they know their shepherd and the shepherd knows them by name. I know them by name. I see them on Facebook. I know what they're up to. Then when they're on their last leg, like those kids I showed, last leg, they come spiritually malnourished, completely, almost at the point of spiritual death. You can't even tell the difference between them, a Christian and a non-Christian. They club, they party, they do everything. I mean, you need to see them. But they are mind sheep. I know them. And you've reached out. But then they come with their tail behind, between their, their feet. And they're coming. And now you have to prepare. This is what we call counseling. Now you have to prepare a special diet for them. Say, why am I preparing a special? When all you needed to do was eat your peas in the morning. Or whatever it is. Your oats in the oatmeal in the morning. Eat your rice and peas. And just eat like every regular person. And it's not like in those places where in the villages there's no food. There is food. You just did not come. You can't do well spiritually. And you can't get to your place of increase without following God. He's your great shepherd. He is your shepherd. You can't miss Wednesday, miss Sunday, miss Wednesday, miss now the pastor. Now you want to see the pastor. For, can I please see you for 10 minutes after service? For what? So I can prepare a special diet for you. To pull you from marasmus and kwashioko to healthy living. It's like, come on. Why are you at home watching football when you should be in church? Meal is already prepared. The shepherd went, spent time before the Lord. Why won't you come and eat when it was prepared? Why am I now having to make a special meal for you? Because you will not follow the leading of the Lord and be in church. I never get it. I don't understand it. 
when you are able to just pick up the phone and join a Wednesday, it's, it's one hour. On the dot, it starts and it ends. Come on. And you may not need it. You are storing it up, shoring it up for the day of adversity. When adversity comes, guess what? You are all, you are ready. Your spiritual muscles are built. It's like any devil that wants to go, come. You want some of me? I'm ready for you. Most Christians are not like that. The devils are, <laughs> I'm dead. It's like, seriously, why are you dead? Because when the time for feeding, when the great shepherd was taking you to the quiet streams and to the pasture to eat, you were not there. One more must be said. Be there. You are not doing your shepherd or your pastor any favor by being in church. No, you are there for you. I am here for me. I don't preach all the time. Everyone that stands there, I come with my notebook ready to take and go back home and look at it and get into it. Why? Because I'm shoring myself up for the day of adversity. I'm shoring myself up even for the good times. I want to be, you know, on track. So this message is a little hard. This is not the ice cream one. This is one is the rice and peas and broccoli this morning. I want to encourage you. Take advantage of the shepherd. Take advantage of the meal and grow. And grow and become a terror to the kingdom of, of the enemy. Become a terror. Be somebody the devil has to go get 10, ten of that demons before he can attack you. Because no, this one is not going to be easy. And when he comes to say, you want some of me, all 10 of you, come here. Let me see what you have. And then in the name of Jesus, you just scuttle them. Be like that. Don't be the one that we're always on the phone trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Come on, get up and get some spiritual backbone and muscles. I thank you for listening to me this morning. I know that this is not the simple, easy, nice, friendly message. But it is a friendly message. It is a message from heaven. Where the great shepherd wants to lead you to your increase. He wants to take you there. So I want us to stand to our feet this morning. I want us to commit ourselves back to the great shepherd. And let's say to him, great shepherd, you are my shepherd. I want to grow in you. I want to grow in the things of God. I want to become spiritually mature. I want to be a devil chaser. I want to be someone who supports other Christians and raise them up. I want to be the kind of person you can reach out to. I want you to lead me to my wealthy place. I want you to lead me, guide me so I never diminish, so I never decrease. Go ahead, talk to the Lord. This word is for you from heaven. Not to make anybody feel bad, but to encourage us to get up and stand up in the Lord and be all that we can be. To get all the wealth we can get. To hear the voice of the shepherd. Holy Spirit, we know that God is here with us. We know by your presence that you've spoken to us. Now I pray that this word, as it has pricked our hearts, it will do us good. That we will grow thereby, Father. We will be committed. We will be drawn into your presence. On our own personal schedule at home. And yet in the church. Growing. Maturing. Being led by the great shepherd. By his under shepherds. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you because your word is real. Your word is true. We receive this grace today. In Jesus' name, amen.